0: I go through a pretty simple routine every day of making sure that I communicate with each staff member as far as what we want to do in practice. But I also make sure that everybody on my coaching staff has free reign to be themselves and to coach their position really without me managing it at all.
1: Hello and welcome to Ahead of the Curve, I am Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for joining us. This episode is brought to you by Baseball Cloud. Baseball Cloud's revolutionary software platform brings to life the numbers captured by TrackMan and FlightScope. This provides colleges, players, and facility owners around the world a turnkey product, allowing them to analyze their data using key metrics and custom visualizations on one intuitive user interface. Go to baseballcloud.com to find out how you can have your own data analytics department for your program. Data has a story to tell, and Baseball Cloud gives it a voice. On this episode, I interview Monty Lee, head baseball coach at Clemson University. Coach Lee shares his passion for wanting to become a coach from a young age. And on the show, we talk about methods that he uses to communicate with his players and staff how he goes about designing practices. And we talk about the importance of players being intentional with their pitching and hitting. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Monty Lee. Monty, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to be here.
1: Well, absolutely. And again, I I we've you know, I've been a follower of you for a long time and I'm glad to finally get you on the show and dig into some different player development stuff that you guys are doing, which is unbelievable. And, and I'll, I definitely give my stamp of approval if that one means anything, but if you've got, uh, if you've got any listeners who would like to hear a little bit about your background and you know, why you decided to get into coaching, do you mind going into that for a second?
0: Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate uh, to work here at Clemson university and, and everywhere that I've coached along the way has been in the state of South Carolina. I'm from South Carolina, Uh, grew up here, my whole family's from here, coached in this state, uh, my whole career, Uh, got into coaching, really, to be honest with you, never thought about doing anything else, Uh, just knew uh, from a very young age, I can remember uh, being 15 years old and my high school baseball coach asking me, you know, what I wanted to do when I grew up and I told him I want to come back and be the high school, you know, the head baseball coach at Lugolf Elgin High School where I grew up and Mm -hmm. um I just remember just my earliest memories of what I kind of saw myself doing once my playing career was over. Uh, it was always coaching. So when I went to the College of Charleston, I was an education major, again with the mindset that I was going to be, a, you know, a high school teacher and a high school baseball coach. And uh, somewhere along the way, I just I just happened to wind up, you know, going the college route, and and it's worked out great. So. Now that's that's kind of my story in a nutshell when it comes to coaching. I just, for some, I don't know what reason it was, but for some reason, I just always wanted to coach and and I've been blessed to be able to do this, uh, make this my career.
1: Well, I love that. And, you know, just right before we started recording, I mentioned that I love to watch coaches' press conferences, you know, whenever they get hired and just because they outline their system, what they're looking for, what their vision of the program is. And I find that completely fascinating. And you're one of the guys that I I've, I've really been drawn to just based on the energy that you brought and your vision and your passion for it and you could just you could that just oozed from you uh whenever you were going through all of that stuff and you know one thing that you mentioned is that you got what what kind of team it will look like and you talked about attitude and effort playing hard playing fast and so for our listeners who you know, maybe in their first year of their program or, you know, are going through the fall and they want something similar to that. What were kind of your first couple of steps that you went through to try and instill that culture within the program?
0: Uh, that's a good question. And that's it's probably a question that would take me quite a while to answer. And I, and I may get a little scattered and go in some different areas trying to answer the question, By all means. Um, but, but, but for me, But for me, I I I believe that a program has to be has to be built. Number one, uh, with with the standards of excellence that that you're looking for uh, as a coach on the practice field, day in day out, in the weight room, in the classroom, in the community. You know, you have to build an an identity uh, and a culture that that you want as a head coach. And just from the baseball perspective you know, the the first thing that I try to instill in our guys is that everything that we do on a baseball field, we are on offense. And what I mean by that is that whether we're throwing the baseball, whether we're pitching the baseball, whether we're catching the baseball, bunting the baseball, hitting the baseball, running the bases, everything that that we do on a baseball field we're we're going to be extremely offensive minded and attack and and there's nothing in this game that is defensive yes we play defense no question about it we all know the value of, of defense and we work on defense every single day but we don't work on defense any differently than we do offense so to speak so if you, if you were to come and, and watch us, I think the one thing that you would see is just we practice very offensively and that we want our pitchers to throw every pitch with conviction and with intent. Uh, we want our infielders, when they're throwing the ball across the field, to throw the ball with intent. Uh, we swing the bat with the intent to do damage uh, when we swing the bat and we run the bases as hard as we can until the defense makes us stop. That's kind of our mantra on the base pass. So I like for our guys to make a lot of mistakes and ask a lot of questions and fail a lot in the practice environment because that gives me as a coach, like many other coaches, the opportunity to coach them. So we try to eliminate the fear of failure. Uh, We try to eliminate the result aspect of it. It's more about the process of just being on offense wherever you are and whatever you're doing and and uh, I think that's where it kind of starts and then we do the same thing in the weight room if you're going to go into the weight room and watch our guys work out you're going to see a tremendous amount of aggression and intensity in the weight room with just how we train we one thing that we tell our players the weight room is a place where you train it is not a place where you work out uh, when I go into the weight room with our coaches staff we get a workout in mm-hmm. uh, but when the but when the players go in the weight room, we train. And it's just, it's just a mindset that every day, practice, every day in the weight room, we are training with, with intent and, and, and with a mindset that we're going to get better every single day. And it's the same way in, on the academic side of things, too. We're going we're to hit the ground running academically. We're going to be on time. We're going to sit up front. We're going to go to every class. We're going to engage uh, in the class. Uh, we're going to engage in our tutoring sessions and in study hall. And uh, we're going to engage in our community and be a part of the community. We want our guys to be great citizens. And and we try to do as much as we can to give back to to our community uh, through some of the things that we do. So, again, it's just that mindset of just being aggressive, offensive, doing everything uh, with intent and not being afraid to to make mistakes and fail because that's how we all learn and grow.
1: No, I think that's fantastic. And, you know, I wrote down several different notes from your press conference to ask you, and I think you hit on every single one of them, which, you know, leads me to my next question is let's talk about this fall. You know, we're, by, by the time that our listeners are listening to this, they're right smack dab in the middle of it. And you mentioned that you wanted your fall sessions to be tough and competitive. So how, you know, what are some different practical ways you're doing that? And, and if you don't mind, just kind of give us an idea of what you're doing within the time restrictions that you have.
0: Well, it's a great question. I, I, I think in just my mind and the way that my mind works when it comes to trying to develop a team in the fall, I think the fall has got to be really tough. And what I mean by that, it's got to be challenging. It's got to be fast paced. You got to throw a lot at them. You got to speed them up. So that they can slow the game down, you know that's that's one important concept in the game of baseball and and with a lot of other sports is being able to slow the game down, and I think you slow the game down by speeding the game up in the fall. Uh, so we, you don't see our guys like sticking their toes into the deep end, you know, to see how cool the water is. We're gonna we're gonna push them right in there. Uh, when you when you watch our practices, you know we're we're gonna hit velocity daily. We're gonna hit spin daily we're going to challenge our players in the practice environment Uh, you don't see a lot of front toss and a lot of nice easy bp and a not and a lot of nice and easy t work if we're hitting off of a team we're typically going to make sure that they're hit with a heavy bat or some sort of uh implementation to make that uh, um, that when we hit in the cages then or at, at different angles we do a lot of onset and offset bp uh, we do a lot of mixed BP with double machines, fastball, breaking ball. We just want to make sure that everything that we do that it's challenging and that it's fast. And when we practice on the field, we don't take fungos. You know, we don't, we, I don't believe in just taking uh, rep after rep after rep of fungos on the field. Uh, we do a lot of side toss where I actually hit them, where a coach will side toss me the ball and I hit balls with top spin at much faster speeds uh, than than they would get if you're just hitting a nice, easy fungo. Um, You know, we have the expectation that our guys are going to play every ball uh, off the bat in batting practice at game speed. Uh, If you came and watched us practice in the fall, we do a lot of barrier wall batting practice with a machine implement, or if a coach is throwing BP, we'll put a, you know, a junior hack attack behind him with a breaking ball with a coach there so that we can, we can have a mixed BP. Again, it's just, we always want to be challenging the players and the team uh, in our practice environment, and I think that's critical. As far as if you were to come and watch us practice, I think you would be impressed with just how hard our guys practice, uh, how demanding our practices are, how physically and mentally challenging they are, how fast they are, and again, the the sole purpose of it is so that when they when it comes time to play the game, that the game seems very simple. And, and much slower than, than the pace in which we practice it.
1: No, I love that. And so to get all of your players on the same page, and, and you're a couple of years in now, but to get all of your players on the same page to be able to do that, is it something that you send out you know, early in the morning to make sure they know where they're going? Or do you kind of have a system in place to where, hey, we know exactly what to do at any given time because we've done it like this for a couple of years now? Or just kind of, you know, how, how does your mind work as far as practice design goes?
0: Well, I think when it comes to practice design, and practice design is probably one of my favorite things to do. I spend a lot of time when it comes to trying to develop our practices and design our practices with our coaching staff. I, I don't do the same things every single year. There are certain things that I do that I've been using for a number of years, but you know, my goal as a head coach is to also grow myself. So I'm constantly looking at the way that we run our drills and the way we practice and then trying to see, is there a better way? You know, is there, is there a, a tougher way? Is there a a way that's going to get more out of the players? So I think that what you would see year in, year out is yes, our practices are, are very fast paced and challenging just based on, you know, how we hit, how we, how we train our hitters, how we train our defense, how we run the bases. But yet on top of that, it's constantly evolving and changing, you know, as I start to find in, in my mind, where better ways to train the players. So I do send out the practice itinerary to the players, typically a couple hours before practice. I'll put it, you know, we use, uh, we just switched over to Teamworks as a, as a athletic department and we're starting to implement Teamworks for our mass communication with our players. I've been using group me for years. Mm-hmm. I think group me is awesome. Um, it's, easy it's very simple to use and um, and we've used it um, and still have it uh, but I'll just put the practice itinerary on group me uh, make sure that it's posted in the locker room and out in the dugout but I will say this there there are times where I don't even post it just so that uh, when the players get here they are forced to, to go into the dugout and actually read the practice itinerary I think sometimes when you give them, so, you spoon feed the players so much information and you give it to them, sometimes they neglect to really look at it in depth and, and make sure that, that they know what's going on. So sometimes we do just post it and tell them to read it. And sometimes the more random uh, the practice is because they're not aware of what you're going to do that day, I think sometimes are some of the better practices that you have because they have to concentrate once practice starts to make sure they're doing things right. I do believe in a, a decent amount of failure in a drill. I think that, you know, any drill that you do, if, if you're having that, you know, 70, 80, 90% success rate is probably not the best drill in the world. Uh, there are some things that you have to do that are, that are more block practice uh, type items, uh, like your bunt defenses or your first and thirds, your cuts and relays, things of that nature. But, you know, for the most part, if it's a drill that, that, that requires a pitch ball, a batted ball, a ground ball rep, a base running rep. You know, we do want there to be some level of difficulty where the players fail uh, because we feel like that's what's going to help them learn and grow the most.
1: No, and I understand that completely. And I really thank you for going into such detail with that. And, you know, another thing that we see a lot of now, and that's the integration of data and tech. And I, I know that you're a forward-thinking guy. And, you know, so how are you guys using, it, you know, anything specific with that? And, you know, if, if you could help us out, you know, how are you using that as well?
0: Oh, man, uh, we, we, we do use quite a good bit of technology. But, you know, what I, what I have found is whatever technology you're using, just make sure that, that, that you can apply it uh, in the practice environment. It's like a lot of bad other thing to actually, and that's one of the things that we try to make sure that we do, that we're not just out here uh, in practice, you know, trying to use five, six, seven different pieces of technology in practice. We want to make sure that when we use what technology we do have, that that the players understand it and buy into how it's going to make them better. Right. We do, we use Diamond Kinetics. Uh, we're a Diamond Kinetic school, so we use the Diamond Kinetic Bat Sensors uh, to get all of our pre contact data with our players. And what I like to do with the Diamond Kinetic website uh, is I'll go on there and create leaderboards. And I like to share with the players uh, the leaderboards for Diamond Kinetics when we have a Diamond Kinetic hitting session where, you know, we'll tell the guys before practice, starts to make sure you got your sensors on your bat today. We're very fortunate uh, to be a school uh, that uses Easton bats and Easton actually uh, custom customize our wooden bats and drill the the knobs out of them where we could actually just pop our diamond kinetic sensors into our, our wooden bats even when we're if we're using the wood bats in the cages or on the field. So but we use diamond kinetics for pre-contact data. Uh, there's uh, several metrics that we look into and I'm I'm sure you'll ask me about those and I can go into those in detail uh, as well. We use uh, for pitching and for hitting. Uh, really like Rapsodo. We use it on a daily basis. We look at, uh, again, uh, different batted ball metrics through Rapsodo, uh, along with uh, creating our competitions. We like to have competitions in the cage uh, with the players, and we will use Rapsodo for those competitions. We use Huddle uh, for video. Uh, just started to use Huddle, uh, and it's been very good where we can look at, you know, look at the guy's swings, look at their um, at-bats, uh, we we clip them up and look at their at bats after the game and send it to the players so that they can watch their at bats. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use Synergy uh, as well, like a lot of college programs when it comes to scouting. I like to use Synergy just to look at our own players. Uh, it's just a video system that that tracks at bats and and live um, and and outings for your for your pitchers. Uh, so um, we have TrackMan. We use TrackMan on a daily basis. Every day we have an inter squad. We run TrackMan. On the scoreboard while the game is going on, and it, it helps me uh, when it comes to seeing what our guys are doing uh, really well on the offensive side of things, in terms of what parts of the strike zone they hit really well, and are they making good swing decisions? That's one thing that we track a lot. So sure. that's uh, I think that's a good bit of it. Uh, but I would say the the ones that we use the most again would be Diamond Kinetics, Rap Soto, uh, Huddle, uh, and Trackman.
1: I love that. And again, thanks Thanks for going into some detail. And I know that technology, it man, it can be a very daunting task to be able to make sure that we're using stuff that we can actually apply every day. And I think that's where your money's made. It's it's one thing to have it. And then it's another thing to integrate it and use it like you guys are doing so well. And you know, another thing that, that I've noticed lately that you guys are doing with technology, and that's the different videos that you've been putting out. And the latest one that I watched, you guys, you called it Big League Camp. And so I started watching this and it's really, really well done. And you guys are having a fishing competition. And for our listeners who haven't watched yeah. it yet, you guys had sticks, like not fishing rods. You guys were fishing with sticks and having them try and catch that. You guys were doing karaoke. I mean, that just that looked like a blast. So tell us a little bit about that. And, you know, is that a big part of how you're getting to know your players?
0: i tell you, it's one of the most fun trips that that we do all year. Uh, we've done it twice. We did it last year; was our first year, and we came back and did it again this year. And we opened up our fall practice with it. So, so Big League Camp is uh, it's a it's a it's a place up in Marion, North Carolina. Um, uh, a former scout, Donnie Suttles, uh, is the guy uh, that runs it. It's a good friend of mine, and they have log cabins up there for the players and for the coaches. They have a turf baseball field, an indoor hitting and pitching facility. It's a, it's an unbelievable. Uh, place to go. But but basically what it is is it's a place where you can bring your team uh and they run and, and Donnie and his staff will run them through a number of different challenges along with you being able to get in your team practices while you're up there. So uh you know this year just as an example, uh, we did a mud run uh which was unbelievable um and very, very challenging for the players. Uh we we built a shelter Uh, They broke them up into, I believe it's four, four different teams, if I'm not mistaken. And they had to build a shelter with, with, with really nothing more, uh, you know, than, than, than logs and branches and trees. (laughs) And uh, they they actually had to like use kudzu vines to tie, uh, to tie the branches together to make the roof. And, um, and, and you know, they use like flint to make their, to strike a fire and make their fire. They get a shovel. He gives them a shovel and, and a pack of flint and that's about it and then they had the fishing challenge like like you saw in the video where they basically had a fishing line and he gave them a gatorade bottle an empty gatorade bottle that had a worm in it Uh, so they got a hook a bobber a piece of fishing line and they basically had to take the fishing line hook and the bobber break off a limb tie it to the limb use the one worm that you have to try to catch fish and then and then while one guy is fishing, everybody else is trying to find grasshoppers and bugs to use for bait. Uh, so you have, to, you have to work together. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of fun. And then we have our, our, uh, our karaoke challenge, which is a lot of fun. We make all, all the first-year guys do uh, karaoke. Uh, and then last year, and the guys didn't do it this year, we did team skits, and those were pretty funny because most of the time, as you know, when they do team skits, it involves making fun of the coaching staff. So, <laughs> right. so it's just a lot of fun. It's just and and the guys will tell you uh, that once they got back from it after that first week in a team practice, that just getting to know each other. They did, you know, some of the younger guys that know some of the older guys. They've been around each other, but really hadn't been in an environment where they they got to spend some time together in that type of setting. And uh, it was a lot of fun, and it's uh, it's certainly something we'll continue to do.
1: Oh, it's fantastic. And it does sound like a lot of fun. And the videos are very well done. So I encourage our listeners to go check those out and get some ideas from those. Because I think that, again, it's it's a lot of fun and you really get to know a lot about your team with that and, and a lot about your teammates as well. And, you know, another thing that, that I'm really interested in is, you know, how head coaches intentionally develop their staff. And you've you've already mentioned that you're a lifelong learner that you've got a growth mindset, and I'm sure that's a big part of it. But you've also probably got guys on your staff who want to be head coaches someday. And so, how are you going about developing them and making sure that they're uh, growing on a year, on a weekly, yearly basis? And you, if if you don't mind, is there in some intentionality behind that?
0: That's a good question. I, I would I would hope that if you were to ask anybody that's ever worked for me. I've always wanted to make sure that everybody on my staff uh, feels appreciated and that their voice is heard. Uh, we have We have staff meetings, typically at least once, at least once a week, sometimes twice a week. I go through a pretty simple routine every day of making sure that I communicate with each staff member as far as what we want to do and practice that day. There is never a day that goes by at Clemson where everybody on my staff has some say so and we communicate about what we're going to do in practice that day so we're all on the same page. But I also make sure that everybody in, on my coaching staff has, has free reign to be themselves and to coach their position, you know, really without me uh, managing it at all. I think you have to trust your staff. Uh, You know, Andrew C., I think, is one of the best pitching coaches in the country. He does everything when it comes to our pitching. Bradley LaCroix, my recruiting coordinator, he works with our infielders. He assists with our hitters. You know, he does whatever he wants with the infielders, however he wants to teach them. You know, and, and, and again, I just give him, I give those guys just full autonomy to run, to run their side of things the way that they want to do it. Again, I have uh, Jared Broughton, works with our base runners, our outfielders, assist me with the hitters. And, you know, JB, again, you know, works, uh, pretty much does whatever he wants to do when we're working on base running. Again, he has he has free reign to to coach those guys the way that he wants to coach them. And, and I think that's that's the thing that you would see with our staff. And what I've always tried to do is it's really a we thing. You know, a coaching staff is it's all of us with the same voice. That's very important to me that we have one voice, that that we're all speaking the same language and coaching the same uh, coaching uh, with the same terminology and doing the same things. Now, I may say it a little differently than Bradley or JB or or Andrew. And obviously, I want their personalities to come out. I don't want everybody to, to act like me. Um, you know, I'm, I have a different personality than Bradley and Andrew and Jared. And and I think that the diversity of a coaching staff in terms of, you know, how you how you carry yourself and what kind of energy level you give. Some guys are very laid back. Some guys are very passionate and intense. Some guys are players coaches. Some guys are more, uh, you know, military like. So I think you just have to be yourself. I think that's very, very important. I think the players will see through you if you're not yourself. So when it comes to, you know, my coaching staff, again, it's a shared vision. Uh, it's a shared mission. Uh, we're on the same page. We, we have the same voice. And I never, I never make any decisions on lineups or what we're going to do uh, even during the season without going over it uh, with my staff first. So, again, I just want everybody to feel like they have a say-so in what's going on uh, on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, again, I I would say that's, that's probably what you would see when it comes to development is our guys feel that freedom, uh, just like our players do, uh, to have a say in what's going on. And, 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 and I feel like I get their very best because I do that.
1: I really like that a lot. And you can definitely tell that you're a guy who you'd be a great guy to work for, because I think that that's what most growth set growth mindset coaches would want. They want to be able to coach their positions and, and get to learn from you and do some of the different things in the process. And so, uh, another thing that, that I've noticed, it just looks like your guys are having so much fun. It looks like they just love to play for you and the coaching staff, but, you know, besides the standards that you went over earlier, what are some different rules that you have of like, guys, I, I love you and I want you to do really well, but here's where we're drawing the line. And here's what we expect out of you to make sure that you're successful in our program.
0: Well, I think that we, and we do have rules and regulations and and we go over those, the very first team meeting that I have in the fall, uh, Jonathan, we go over our team rules and our expectations and, and it's, and, and I have them sign it, uh, and, and it's, it's pretty detailed, but it's pretty simple too. And in a nutshell, it's, it's just be a good citizen, Mm -hmm. just be a good citizen, uh, do things the right way, show up on time. Good class. Make the right decisions. Treat people with respect. Uh, be a good citizen in the community. You know, most of the times at our level, uh, at, at the college level, uh, student athletes are going to get in trouble if they're out past midnight and and there's alcohol involved. So we spend a lot of time talking to our guys about trying to make the right decisions. And there's going to be consequences if you if you don't uh, follow through and do the right things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we set those expectations the very first meeting, and have the guys read over it. We go over it with them. They sign it, and typically they're fairly accountable. Uh, once they know what the rules and the expectations are, you know they're they're pretty accountable if they if they break a team rule. They understand there's going to be consequences involved. But I do think too, as a coach, is uh, you know however tough you are on your players when it comes to a guy that's broken a rule. You know, once he's served his punishment and it's over, it's got to be over. You know, you you have to move forward. He has to move forward, and he has to feel that you've moved forward. And and that's that's also very important to me as well. You know, that once you've served your penalty, then let's both move forward. We've learned from it, and 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 hopefully it doesn't happen again. Uh, but but you have to understand too that young people are going to make mistakes, and it is our job to try to shape them and mold them and teach them. Mm-hmm. And and hopefully they'll be better because of it. So, uh, uh, but yeah, I do. We do have team rules. We go over them. They sign them, and and we also have a culture sheet. You know, again, that we go over with the expectations in our sports, school, community, and in the weight room. And and we go over. We give them a copy of that as well. And and those are more just just general expectations in each area uh, that we have for our players and how we can help them be successful.
1: No, that's great. And thank you for laying that out for us. And, you know, it's something that we don't get to see the inner workings of what you guys are doing as far as that stuff goes. So that's, that's a a great take on that. And thank you for so eloquently communicating that. And so I, you know, I, I'm huge on practice planning and I love practice design. And I I really think that that's, that we can get a lot extra out as far as uh, planning practices efficiently. And I, I think that that's where, to me, that's where champions are made and so uh, let's go ahead and skip to the spring. And so I want to know, you know, once you guys are getting going and you're done with the preseason, you guys are, are going uh, throughout a, a typical week, you know, what does what a typical practice plan look like for you? And, uh, you know, how much time do you dedicate to what? And uh, again, we I would love to be able to come watch you practice. But if you could, uh, just give us your best shot through audio of what a typical practice plan would look like.
0: Ooh, okay. Um, <laughs> well. It, again, it's it changes daily sure. uh, again every every practice is is a little bit different than the one before it. Uh, but I, I would say you know during the spring we we try our best not to have them on their feet quite as long as we do in the fall. Our practices are typically more along the lines of a two hour practice uh, or so two to two and a half hours max in okay. the spring. but I will say this now, I get after it in the spring. Don't, I don't back off uh, an awful lot. We may cut down on the volume, but what we are doing, again, it's it's still with the mindset that it's going to be fast-paced and it's going to be challenging. One of my favorite drills or one of the things that, that we do an awful lot of uh, is what we call our Tiger BP routine, uh, and we also do a three-team double hack attack game. I'm a big believer, I'm a big, big, big believer when it comes to training a team that the ball comes from the mound, it goes to the plate, and then it goes out into the field. So we're going to try to do everything we can to replicate the game environment to the best of our ability and, and make sure that we're getting as many reps as we can in the game environment. We certainly spend a lot of time in the cages, and I can go over what we do in the cages with our guys. But as far as practice goes, we're going to try to make sure that we hit on uh, the big parts of what's going to happen 95% of the time, which is catching and throwing the baseball, running the bases, and hitting the baseball. Uh, So I do spend time on bunt defenses and first and thirds, cuts and relays, fly ball communication. We try to hit on those more in that three-week period right before the season starts. We touch on them in the fall, but quite honestly, again, in my mind, you want to work on the things that happen the most uh, in practice. So, you know, our our practices are going to be geared more again in that Tiger BP slash double hack attack game setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, and, and Tiger BP is a is a drill uh, that I got uh, from a good friend of mine, uh, Mark Reardon. At Iowa Western, who's unbelievable, mm-hmm. uh, and he calls it Reaver BP, and obviously I call it Tiger BP. Uh, but basically, um, and it's probably if if I had to say I, I can't necessarily think of what we need to work on today, then we're probably just going to do Tiger BP. And Tiger BP, basically you put you put your you put your team into four groups. Groups one and group three uh, can be your infielders. Groups two and four can be your outfielders and catchers. Uh, And basically, you have a full team on defense. Uh, One of the groups is hitting and the other group is running the bases. You write out your BP rounds. Uh, We typically would do four to five rounds of BP. It's four swings per round. And every other rep is a live batted ball base running rep. So it's dead live, dead live. So on the dead rep, the coach throws a pitch or we feed a ball through the machine and we do it with both. It's a dead ball. We put a pitcher with every outfielder, and we put a pitcher behind the batting practice pitcher uh, with a screen in front of him with a ball in his hand. And every ball that is hit into the outfield on the dead ball read, the pitchers play it. So they just make sure that no balls are in the outfield because the next pitch is live. And when it is live, the base runner is running live. The hitter hits it live. We don't use any batting turtle. We just put a base screen behind home plate with a catcher back there, and the ball is hit, and we play it live. You know, typically uh, on a given day, we're going to have somewhere between, in a Tiger BP, you're going to get somewhere between sixty five and seventy live game reps, and you can do it in about an hour and fifteen minutes. Uh, So it is a tremendous amount of game speed, volume, and base running, and and hitting, and on defense, and again. You know, each batting practice round can be whatever the coach wants it to be. We just do it in rounds of four, and it's dead live, dead live. The last live rep, the batter runner runs it out as well, and then he returns uh, to home plate to await uh, his time to go into his next round of BP. Every ball that hits the L screen is a ground ball back to the pitcher, so the pitcher standing behind the BP uh, thrower, um, he he gets to throw the ball to wherever the out is. Uh, so. it's, it's very game like. It's very fast paced, and we do it on a weekly basis. Anytime we have a Thursday night practice on the road, we do Tiger BP on the field because we just feel like we play about uh, two to three games worth of defensive live reps uh, on uh, our opponent's main field uh, in that Thursday night practice. And you can get, and again, you can get done with it in an hour and an hour and 15 minutes uh, top. So uh, that's one of my favorite drills. Again, it incorporates all aspects. You don't have to do cuts and relays with your team uh, throughout the season if you take one day and do Tiger BP once a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, that's that's a huge one for us. Uh, we started doing uh, a three-team uh, double hack attack simulated game once a week, uh, sometimes twice a week in the fall. Sometimes I'll do it with a right-handed pitcher. Sometimes I'll do it with a left-handed pitcher. And we have a one-hack attack that's on extension legs that's that we set up on the mound and we'll put it say on a right-handed fastball at 90 and then we'll put a regular hack attack in front of that machine and put it on breaking ball that way the breaking ball climbs out of the lower machine into the same tunnel uh, that the fastball is coming out of and we will play three team simulated games uh, and we have a process sheet that we use where basically no ground balls count towards Uh, You don't get a point for ground balls that get through the infield unless it's an RBI situation where you drive a runner in, Uh, but every ball hit into the outfield on a line. If it's a single, you get a point. If it's a double, it's two, a triple, it's three, home run is four, and then you also get however many points you drive in, and we play literally for uh, 15 minutes with a five-minute break and uh, and then rotate, and so it takes about an hour. To run the drill and I'm telling you our guys are are very tired uh, at the end of it but they get an awful lot out of it because the machine is is uh, every at bat a lot of times they'll get about five at bats uh, in the drill per player and it's five at bats of mixed BP of a breaking ball and a fastball at game speed from 55 feet so it's very challenging uh, but it's also very fast paced and the guys get a lot out of it so, I'm a big believer in 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 anything again that that makes you run the bases, play defense and swing the bat at game speed in the game environment so those are two things that I would say a bulk of our team practices are are geared towards Now we'll do uh, a batting practice session uh before that or defensive work before that uh but if you watch this take defense again it's it's side toss ground balls where the guys are playing. Again, you know, ninety, ninety-five mile an hour, a hundred mile an hour ground balls off of a fungo with a side toss. We're trying to hit them as hard as we can to make it as challenging as we can. Same thing with if we're doing you know catching work, we're always going to do our catching work from the game mound off of a hack attack, okay. and then we'll use the hack attacks for outfield work as well. So uh, we just want it to be challenging and as game as game-like conditions as possible because we feel like that's where. Uh, Guys continue to get better and better and better.
1: No, I, I love that, and I think that you know you mentioned making it game like, and I don't think there's a better representative design than you know what you just went through, which is really really good. And you intrigued me with the you know cages talk, and you mentioned you may would go into that on just your regular BP setup. But what are you guys doing in the cages?
0: So what we have, and we have we have two square cages and two long cages at Clemson, and. We have one cage that we kind of call our data cage, uh, where we have launch angle ropes uh, in there at 10 degrees. So the guys get that good visual of trying to hit the ball uh, 10 degrees and above. We run rap soto in that cage where the guys can watch while they're hitting their rap soto numbers uh, in that cage. Uh, we use a junior hack attack in there. And there's times where we'll do straight ahead fastballs, sometimes we'll do angled fastball work in there. Uh, but in our square cages, the, the, a couple things that we're doing this fall that I really, really like, we do onset and offset. So one would be set up uh, for a, a, a right-handed opposite field angle or an offset angle, and the other cage would be set to the pull side or the front hip or the onset angle. And that way, whether I'm a left handed hitter or a right handed hitter, I can bounce back and forth between each square cage and I'm getting a pull side angle, which really helps our guys when it comes to contact point uh, out in front on a good fastball, along with uh, helping them uh, to stay connected and learn how to rotate properly to get the head of the bat to a pitch um, that's that's out in front of them Mm -hmm. and pull it properly. Uh, And then the offset angle is really good for staying connected for the you know for the elbow sliding into the right spot and getting into rotation the right way and and sequencing Uh, so you know i'm a big believer that if you want guys to, to sequence their swings correctly do a lot of offset angle bp work with them and if you can do it with a machine that's even better uh and then if you want them to really learn how to accelerate the bat through the zone and and create some rotational power then do more onset work, uh, to the pull side or the front hip angle. And those angles, again, from the mound, you know, you would walk about, you know, we, we don't do an extremely wide angle anymore. We used to do it a little bit wider. Uh, but now I would guess we're probably, I would say 15 feet, uh, from the mound, uh, one way or the other.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, and we do those on a daily basis. Uh, in our long cages, one of the really cool things that we've implemented this year that's been a lot of fun is we sent out a tweet at the beginning of the fall inviting students here on Clemson, uh, here at Clemson uh, who have been high school or junior college pitchers that would like to throw live batting practice to our hitters. Mm-hmm. We 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 set up a workout uh, for those kids, and we actually have seven student managers. That come and throw live batting practice from the mounds in the cages. We put an L screen in front of them, <laughs>
1: and that. they
0: throw live every Wednesday. We call them our BP studs. We give them <laughs> we give them gear, and and they get loose and they come in and they pitch live to our guys every Wednesday.
1: Man, that's awesome.
0: uh, and we put uh, you know a couple of our bullpen catchers in there, and they catch them, and our guys just get in there and just and just let it eat on Wednesdays in the cages with onset and offset uh, angle BP along with live arms throwing to them, uh, in the other two long cages. And that's a lot of fun. That's mm-hmm. a lot of fun for the kids and, and very challenging. And those guys, they throw a ton of strikes and, and we actually have a couple guys that, that throw in the, in the mid eighties, uh, that are student managers. So, uh, it's pretty challenging, uh, in the cages that, at, uh, you know, at 60 feet, when you got a guy throwing that hard and, and uh, but our guys love it. And, And it's been a really cool new thing that we've been doing on the development side, uh, for our hitters.
1: I really like that. I I think that that's using your resources and I'm sure that there are some guys that are really good that are just going to school there. And, and I, man, that's, that's really, really cool and really well thought out. And I, I, I really do. I love that. And, uh, something else that maybe you can help me with and something that I've tried to get better at over the last couple of years, especially because I think it's really, really important and that's better communication uh, within not just about different things that are going on within practice. and so uh, just giving you an example, you've got a kid, you know you've got what thirty guys on your roster, that's a d one roster, right? Yeah, okay,, yep. so you've got thirty guys, and you've got like the the guy, the, n- the number thirty guy, and he's just not getting getting a ton of playing time. He's a great kid, and he's working his butt off. And I've tried to get better at making sure that I go up to those kids and tell them uh, whenever I see stuff that I think is really good or that they're helping a team, I go out of, I'm trying to go out of my way to be able to do that because I don't, I don't want them to get lost in the shuffle. And I think that's a huge part of player morale. I think that's a huge part of team morale. And I just, I'm trying to get better at doing those moments, but we as coaches, we get so busy. W- during the season of all of the different being pulled in all of these different directions. And so do you, do you do something similar or do you have a system for that or is it just kind of based on feel? but even moving guys up and down in a lineup, is that a, is that a conversation that you have? Because I'm just, I'm trying to get better at the communication aspect with, within the team setting of guys that aren't playing every single day. Cause we talk to those guys quite a bit or the guys in our position groups, but some of the other guys, like say a PO on our team who's not pitching a lot, I may not talk to them very much. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. No, it it certainly makes sense. And I think every head, I would imagine that every head coach who goes through that, it, it it's not the easiest thing in the world to deal with, right? Because you care about these kids, you care about them, and and you sometimes you you don't you probably don't communicate with them as much as you'd like to, just because you feel bad for them. You know, you feel bad that they're not getting the opportunity. They're working hard. They're doing everything the right way and maybe they're not getting the opportunity to get out on the field and compete uh, like their teammates, so you feel bad for them. But I just think that it's the thing that I've always tried to do is I'm, I just try to be very, very upfront and honest with our players. And if a player, I have an open door policy like many coaches do and, and I try to be, I try to tell them exactly you know why they're not getting you know the game reps that the other guys are getting. But we also have to make sure that we have a plan for those guys is how can I get better as I'm going through this and how can we do that together? One of the things that we try to do, uh, we play on Tuesdays, we play on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So most most of our weeks, we're off on Monday, we play Tuesday, and then we play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. One of the things we've tried to do is on Wednesdays is have the guys that aren't getting a lot of innings, we try to have them throw live two hitters on Wednesdays as part of our practice plan. Sometimes we'll start practice off with it for like 45 minutes at the beginning of practice and we'll just have live at bats and get those guys who don't who aren't getting a lot of at bats, we'll get those guys to hit off the guys that aren't getting maybe the innings that they would like to get so that those guys stay sharp because one thing that I have seen when it comes to developing players throughout the season is you know, if you have an injury or two, all of a sudden you may have to play a guy that hasn't played in a couple of weeks. And if he's at least gotten a couple of live at bats on a Wednesday practice, and you've got him in the cage just hitting off, you know, the hack attacks or the jugs machines or whatever machines you use, and they're seeing velocity on a regular basis, then they can step in there and play for you and be able to compete for you. Or if a pitcher know, is not throwing a lot of innings, but he's facing hitters on a weekly basis, he's got a better chance of being able to come in there and help your team win when he gets his opportunity. So I think it's just something as simple as that. It's just making sure that you you find ways as a coach to make sure those guys get game reps even mm-hmm. when they're not playing in the games, but you're also communicating with them as far as what you're seeing as a coach and what they can do to continue to get better. Uh, so, uh, but yes, that is a challenging thing to do, uh, during the season. And I'm the same way. It's tough for me to communicate, uh, with the pitchers probably as much as I would like to, mm-hmm. uh, just because I'm not the pitching coach. I'm so much more on the offensive position player side of things, uh, that I don't communicate as much with, with the pitchers as coach C does. So, uh, it's just something that you constantly have to work on, but you have to be honest with them. And, and that's the thing about it too. You know, coaches. Coaches understand this that, you know, people tell you, you know, players tell you, you know, hey, be honest with me. Well, they want you to be honest with them until you're honest with them, too. <laughs> and and mm-hmm. and sometimes it can be a tough conversation. And but I think oftentimes kids will come out of those conversations and respect you more for being upfront and honest with them, even though sometimes it hurts. Uh, but in the long run, they're gonna respect you for it and appreciate you uh for being upfront and honest with them.
1: Right. Yeah. That's another aspect that I'm, I'm trying to get better at with age. And that's, you know, telling the truth, but in a productive manner and not being harsh, but also not sugarcoating things. And I think that's something that, sure. that we can all do a little bit better of. And so uh, at the end of the show, I'll, I like to do some lightning style questions. And some of these take uh, five minutes and some of them take, you know, 10 or 15 seconds. But if you had advice to give to any first year coaches who are listening, what would your best advice be?
0: Be yourself. I know that's very cliche, and you hear that all the time, but I, I think it's very important to be yourself and, and and listen. You can learn so much from just sitting back and listening. I think oftentimes young coaches, they want to try to make an impact so hard that they're overly aggressive and they probably talk too much and coach too hard and try to change things too much. I think sometimes just sitting back and listening uh, can pay dividends for you and then making sure that when you do that when you do say something to a player uh, that it that it matters and that it counts. I think you can learn a lot by observing, but I think you I think you have to be yourself. I also think it's very important for young coaches to reach out to older coaches or people that they respect and ask them questions i I do it to this day. I mean there's quite a few coaches out there. That I reach out to and ask them, hey, look, I saw where you guys didn't strike out a lot on offense over the last few years. Can you tell me what your two strike approach is? Or you guys, you know, it looks like you guys do damage at the plate every year. What are you teaching your guys or what are you doing there? And I do those things to this day. I think you just have to be a constant learner, be willing to ask other coaches. Coaches love to share information, but you got to be willing to ask. I think if you ask most coaches who have been in it for 20 years like I have, you know, what are you like right now compared to what you were when you first started? You Mm -hmm. almost laugh, you know, just based on how much you've changed. But I think I was very aggressive, and and I probably coached too hard and tried too many things instead of just backing off a little bit and, and simplifying it for the players early on in my career. But uh, the one thing that that I that I will say is I was I've always been myself, and I and I think that the players will see through you if you're not yourself. So, I think that's again very generic, but 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 that's the type of advice that I would that I would give any young coach getting in.
1: Perfect. So you mentioned earlier in the show that you love, and you just mentioned it just now too, that you love to reach out and and you love to grow. But what's something that you've really dug into lately that's gotten you excited?
0: Oh, geez. Well, I listen to a ton of podcasts. Um, I'm, a, I'm a huge, I lo- and I love your podcast, by the way. I li- I've listened, I think, to almost every Ahead of the Curve uh, well, episode. You. So I, I really enjoy listening to player development-driven podcasts, leadership-driven podcasts. So I like to read. I love to read uh, about baseball. I am kind of boring. I, I, I tend to only read about baseball, <laughs> but, um, but I, I always get really excited about just again, just new ways to run practices and new training techniques and, and incorporating new things every year, uh, in the practice environment. So I would say for the most part, those are things that, that really, really excite me is it's just always seeking out better ways to do, uh, what we do as coaches. Well,
1: perfect. So let's say that you sent in the group me that you wanted your players to run practice tomorrow and to come up with a practice plan and you wanted it to be, to be fun and stuff that they loved. So what would be some of the things that you know that they would do?
0: Well, I know that when they would go to the cage, they'd want to cut the rap soda on and they want to do exit velocity competitions because, uh, we do a lot of, uh, of exit velocity, uh, competitions in groups, and they absolutely love that where we'll play uh, first to 500, or we'll do uh, opposite field. Sometimes uh, we'll do opposite field, exit V-low, or we'll do launch angle ladder, uh, where they're trying to hit balls between 10 and 15 or 10 to 20 degrees. Uh, we'll do uh, uh, farthest distance on batted balls, uh, man-to-man. Uh, they They love, love competition. So I would say one thing they would want to do is they'd want to, They'd want to hook the rap soto up and do some sort of competition. Uh, I think our guys really enjoy our Tiger BP drill, and, and they enjoy the double hack attack games because I think they see the benefit of it. And, and I think our guys, they probably don't know any other way to practice, uh, quite honestly. Heck, for all I know, they may want to just take a good old traditional BP uh, and just have some fun you know, banging the ball all over the yard just because, Uh, We probably, we, we take regular BP on game days, but you know, in the practice environment, they know it's going to be pretty challenging. Uh, We would probably do side toss ground balls because our guys uh, enjoy being able to get the reps that, that they get at game speed. So I would say those would probably be our mainstays again, just the side toss ground ball work, catch competitions, uh, and then uh, some sort of either, you know, a tiger BP drill or a double hack attack game on the field, uh, but our guys, our guys love to compete, and, and we have a bunch of different, you know, competitions that we do as a team mm-hmm. that they really, really enjoy. Uh, so uh, they would probably crank the music up nice and loud. They know that I like music during practice, and 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 enjoy, uh, you know, cutting it on in the cages. I want them to enjoy being at the field. So uh, you know, we we try our best to get after it and get better, but we also want to have a lot of fun doing it.
1: Well, fantastic. And, you know, this one's a, this one may be the hardest question that I ask. So feel free to, to think about it and take some time because I know this is not something that's easy to think of off the cuff. But say that you're having a conversation with another coach or you're having a conversation with a group of coaches. What's something that you truly believe in that you think other coaches may disagree with you about or have disagreed with you about in the past?
0: Oh, man.
1: To, to give you some context, my, my wife and I have been playing this game. We've been married six years, a little over six years. So we've been asking each other like these table topic questions uh, during dinner. Right. And this was one that came up of what is something that you believe that others may disagree with you about. And I was just blown away by it because I was like, That's really good. That's a good one. And so I it's really good. Well, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. But it's also something yeah, I, that we, we would... all have biases, but it, sometimes we may or may not share them based on how our audience is receiving us. But you know, what are your thoughts?
0: Oh man. Well, I, I would say this I'm not I'm not the most traditional guy in how I view the game. Mm-hmm. So you, you're not gonna, you, you're probably not gonna see our team sacrifice run a lot. You you're probably not gonna see our team hit and run a lot. We love to steal. Uh, we stole almost 100 bags last year, and and we typically hit close to you know 80, 80 plus home runs a year. So uh, I believe in driving the baseball, and 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 I believe in trying to teach kids how to drive and maximize uh, their power. I'm not a big ground ball guy, so you know there's a lot of college coaches I know that want their guys to control the bat, and there's certainly players in your program that have to be able to control the bat. But I've always put the trust in my players when it comes to runners. Uh, you know, when runners get on base, I trust that the players are going to drive them in. So I don't sacrifice bunt a whole lot unless unless I, we really need to do it. I don't like giving defense uh, outs, uh, so you know i would say that's probably one thing that i disagree with i don't even know if i'd say disagree but i'm just different you know i, I want the i want the defense to earn every out they get against us and i want our guys to swing the bat and i want our guys to run that that I would like be that. That's and again that's pretty simple but i just i never i've always felt like in coaching that guys that bunt a lot guys that manufacture a lot they don't they don't show their players a lot of trust. It's more about it. it and i not to say that it's more about them. I don't think that's the case. It's just, they don't trust that their players can get the job done. So therefore we're going to, we're going to try to maybe move a runner and give the defense an, an out and play it safe. Whereas I've always kind of believed I'm going to put it in your hands. If we've done our jobs as coaches, we want to give you the confidence that, that you're going to be able to get the job done. Uh, so, and, that, and that's worked against me now as a coach. I mean, that's mm-hmm. worked against me from time to time where you're in that bunt situation and you don't bunt and you, and you don't score a run. Or when you do bunt, you, you may not be as efficient at it as some other programs who do it a little more on a regular basis. But I've always believed that my job as a coach, too, is to develop players that can play at the next level. I want guys, when they go to professional baseball, I want them to be ready. Uh, and I think that that's something that, that that is very very important to me uh and again i don't know if that's something that i necessarily disagree uh with other coaches but i'm just maybe a little bit different in that i give our players a little bit more freedom to play than um, than than maybe other programs do and and that's certainly not any 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 knock on any other program out there
1: no doubt no doubt i, I like that and again it, it's it's just your unique stamp on your program and Thank you for explaining that. I think that's really good. And so the last one, I, you've mentioned my podcast, which I really do appreciate you listening. I'm truly humbled that you have listened to so many episodes. But do you have any other resources that you'd like to share for our coaches who are consistently trying to grow themselves?
0: Oh man! Uh, well, I've got a few. I would recommend just a few books that that I really like for any baseball coach that's looking to try to figure out how. Uh, to develop practice plans and goals uh, for their team, I would look at High Scoring Baseball from Todd Williams. Maybe one of the best baseball books I've ever read. Okay, that's an outstanding book. Uh, the Baseball Coach's Bible. It's an older book, but it's one of the first baseball books that I read, and I thought it was very, very valuable. Had some great chapters in it. Heads Up Baseball again, very simple read, but a very effective. Uh, book when it comes to teaching the mental game. I think those those three, if I had to pick three books, would be would be three that I would buy. If you're a a a, a coach that's new uh, to the profession, podcast. Uh, I also read a lot of John Gordon. I love John Gordon. Anything that John Gordon puts out. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm reading the MVP Machine. I know that's a big book out right now, and I think it's pretty cool. Um, I'm reading the Goldmine Effect, which I think is a really cool book. We read Legacy as a Team last year. Legacy uh, for Any Coach is an incredible book. Uh, As far as podcasts go, man, I like a lot of different podcasts. Uh, Again, listen to Ahead of the Curve. Uh, My favorite uh, go to every single morning after I drop my daughter off at school is I cut on. uh, I don't know if you've ever listened to uh, Success Hotline with Dr. Rob Gilbert, Mm -hmm. he is awesome. So I listen, I listen, or call the hotline every day, and mm-hmm. just listen to his messages. A lot of his are very simple; they're four or five minutes long, uh, but very, very good. So that's just a few of them. But, uh, but, but yeah, I like to read and, and and love to listen to podcasts.
1: Well, fantastic. Well, Monty, I, I I can tell you this: if I was good enough and I had any eligibility left, I'd be signing the dotted line right now. And I I you know I appreciate you going into such detail and you can just tell that you have such a passion for what you do. You can tell that your players love to playing for you because you love them and you are trying to grow yourself in the process. And that's, that's a truly, truly blessed blessing thing that they have. But if you were going to live, leave our listeners uh, with anything, well, first, uh, if, if our listeners would like to get in touch with you, would you have somewhere online that they can do that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, they can follow me on Twitter, at uh, Monty Lee CU. Uh, they can email me. Uh, my email address is uh, Montel, all lowercase, M-O-N-T-E-L, at Clemson.edu. Uh, would encourage any coach out there, if, if I can help them in any way, if they ever have any questions about anything baseball-related or whatsoever, just send me a direct message or an email. Uh, I'd be more than happy uh, to help them any way that I can.
1: Well, perfect. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners before you go?
0: No, just uh, just Jonathan, I really appreciate the work that you're doing. And I'm not just saying this because I'm on your podcast. I've listened to, I think, almost every one of yours and just enjoy them uh, immensely. And just want to thank you for all that you're doing for our game uh, to help it grow.
1: Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, which can include Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or YouTube. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please share it on social media to
0: help get the word out. Once again, thank you for joining us.